Welcome to the LeedsCon Industry Insider Podcast, where we explore all aspects of today's lead gen industry. From customer engagement and acquisition to lead conversion and sales, we connect with key thought leaders on measurable marketing, consumer behavior, and privacy, plus all the new technologies and trends that shape the industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the LeedsCon Industry Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Warren Pickett. Thanks for joining us for another episode where we talk about performance marketing today and how to set yourself up for future success. We hope everyone's doing well and uh, surviving the heat, but also surviving everything that 2020 is throwing at you. As we look ahead to the fall, we've been hosting our Power Hour virtual networking hours, as well as sharing some podcasts and webinars with you. Just a quick heads up that our next webinar will be on August 11th around the topic of lead management. And then our next power hour will be on August 19th. So we hope you'll tune in, listen in, and join us. Be sure to visit the LeedsCon Las Vegas website and click on media in the navigation bar for full details on these virtual opportunities. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing how to succeed with your lead conversions from a buyer's point of view. And joining me today is Jason Cutter, CEO of Cutter Consulting Group. And Jason, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for having me, Warren. I'm looking forward to this. I appreciate it. Uh, Jason is an author and host of his own podcast called The Sales Experience. And through his consultancy, he helps architect sales success for individuals and organizations. But for today's podcast, we're not really here to talk about sales. Rather, Jason has also been on the buy side of the equation, and I've asked Jason to share his insights and experience from that perspective. So Jason, as we jump in and kick things off, let me ask you the question, you know, what are some of the, the pitfalls? Where do most lead buyers go wrong when they're kicking off a new lead gen campaign? Oh, that's, that's such a either loaded or uh, <laughs> a limitless uh, question. question. And, right. and I, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, like you said in the intro, I've been on the buyer side and not the lead generation side, um, but have a lot of experience from that and dealing with, you know, lead providers, uh, marketers. And the challenges that I faced either internally in organizations that I was at or now as a consultant generally comes into two sides of the coin. One is not knowing exactly who they want to talk to and what makes for a good prospect that would turn into a good client. So what are the right filters? What are the right parameters? Who's the right demographic? Um, and then the second part, and this is where it gets really challenging and messy, is that uh, buyers go wrong in how they have their sales reps handle the process, handle the conversations, usually a lack of follow-up, uh, pipeline management, you know, all those things that you would think of is really where it starts to fall apart. Right, gotcha. Um, you know, and working on the buy side, with an organization or a brand where you have a marketing team, how can they, how can those marketers really best support lead buyers to succeed in, in getting new customers, getting those conversions? 
the first thing that always comes to my mind that I caution everybody on both sides of the fence is setting the right expectation. I think uh-huh. that's a huge point for a buyer. Uh, I remember early in my buyer career, it's, it's not a label I ever thought of until I kind of got into your world with, with LeedsCon and, and this kind of performance marketing side is seeing myself as a buyer. But I remember in the beginning when I was a buyer and not knowing any different and, you know, taking over a sales team and talk to a performance lead provider and they say, okay, I can get you 200 calls a day, right? 200 warm transfers a day. Okay, that's great. Sounds good. I need that. I have 20 reps. I need them to get 10 calls a day. That's perfect, right? Campaign starts. I get three calls or five calls or 10 calls, right? And that expectation was set at a level that sounded good over-promised, under-delivered, was terrible on all sides. So I think the expectation, the, the, the lead providers who I've worked with that have been most successful, who I've enjoyed working with the most, always set good expectations. You know, you can get this many leads. This is what it's going to be like. Here's, here's the quality. Here's what it's going to be like and how long it's going to take to get it dialed in such that you're effective with these leads, right? Not like closing them day one, but you know, here's what you can expect. And that is huge from the buyer side. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you're setting those expectations, when you're kind of setting sales quotas or, or things like that, can you talk a little bit about just kind of where does that responsibility lie? Because you, you're talking about somebody who's buying leads, you're talking about your marketing team and, and the way that they reach out. And obviously there's a lot of, of synergy that needs to happen between marketing and sales. But where do you kind of see the, the impetus uh, on making sure that those expectations are set correctly? I mean, you know, it's really a function on the buyer's side because they're the ones taking them in and know what they need. Mm-hmm. For me, I generally put it on the buyer, right? Like, you know, buyer beware. Um, you know, when somebody's making promises or setting expectations, then that's on me, right? Like if I'm the buyer, I'm a VP of sales and marketing. I have a team of 50 reps. I know how many calls I want them to take each day or how many leads I want them working on. Then it's up to me to manage it. And I've got to be the one to balance it um, for my sake, right? Like I can't, blame the lead providers if they're not following through. I've got to make sure I have backup plans or other options uh, for me. And maybe I'm unique in that way. I'm, I'm all about personal responsibility and controlling what I can, um, you know, and, and having those options. And, you know, I guess uh, uh, this is probably also a loaded question to some extent, <laughs> but, you know, as a lead buyer and you're looking to work with a lead provider, without going to the lowest common denominator, without, without always trying to get, you know, the most leads or the, the best qualified leads for the lowest price, as a lead buyer, what should you be looking for in that relationship or in, in those leads that you're trying to, to get in to, to share with your team? I feel like as an evolved lead buyer, right? And I can speak from not being one to being one and now right. helping companies with that is really it's about that cost per acquisition, right? Yeah. Or cost per customer, depending on what label you use. And knowing what your number needs to be for acquiring a new customer. And then, you know, from a marketing standpoint, not staff, not bonuses, not all that, but, and then working backwards to conversion rates, cost per lead, and then what does it take for a campaign to be successful, whatever that might be. Um, 
and knowing that number and then buying based on that number. I tell people this all the time. I'm totally fine with a $50 lead, uh, you know, $50 phone call, a $100 phone call. Right. If it converts and the numbers make sense, it's just numbers, right? I mean, I've done direct mail campaigns where each phone call is $55 based on the response rate. That sounds expensive to some people, they freak out. But to others, it's like, hey, if you can close at a good rate, and you can it's have happy it. customers out of that, yeah. then it's just, it's just a numbers game. And the right buyers, in my opinion, aren't looking for the lowest cost. Um, that's where you get into a dangerous game because you know, it's kind of like buying cheap clothes that don't last as long and you have to replace them often, right? Buying cheap leads, you're gonna have a lower conversion rate, which means ultimately either you're gonna burn out your sales team or you're gonna have a higher cost per acquisition anyway, and it's just not worth it. And so uh, as a lead provider, really, you know, it's not, to me as a buyer, it's not always about the lowest cost. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, oftentimes, you know, if you're going that route, you're gonna end up paying more in the long run uh, to try yeah. and get those leads to convert. Um, you know, Jason, looking at the description that we put together for this podcast, uh, talk a little bit about just what are some of the biggest roadblocks you see from a buyer's point of view in getting a lead to convert? What are the things that kind of hold people up um, along the way? The first thing that I always notice and I see as the number one issue is that the message isn't congruent. Mm. So there's some kind of lead provider that's doing some type of marketing. Again, could be digital, could be whatever, it doesn't matter. They're doing something to start a conversation with this prospective buyer. That conversation has begun, right? And the person is thinking about it and having an expectation in their mind about what they're gonna get help with, what it's gonna do for them, maybe what it's gonna cost, what's gonna be involved, and what the outcome's gonna look like. And so they start this conversation. Whether anybody wants to admit it or not, that's starting, even if it's a Facebook ad, it doesn't matter. Then what happens is that lead, that prospect, gets to a salesperson. The salesperson then has to continue that conversation or it's not congruent. And the problem is the prospect will go, hey, that's not what I saw. Hey, that doesn't make sense. That's not what I was thinking I was going to get help with. And then next thing you know, the sales rep is having to dig themselves out of a hole. The challenge is sometimes prospects don't say that. You know, Very few prospects will say, hey, that's not what uh, they told me. Some will. Most just won't. And then they'll go away quietly, never to be heard from again. And so one of the biggest things I've always pushed, pushed for with my lead providers is to know what their message is. And a lot of times, you know, some of them don't want to share it, right? They think that's their secret sauce, but having a relationship where I can trust them and they can trust me, I want to see what is that message so that my sales reps can have in their opening part of their conversation, something that picks up that conversation and moves it forward effectively. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, maybe that's a good plug for, you know, a, a well set up CRM, you know, where you really can kind of continue that conversation, you know, what's been communicated. Um, and, and that customer can really feel comfortable that, you know, the information that they discussed with the marketer that, that was made in an offer really did translate to the salesperson and, and they can, you know, make that stick and, and, you know, get that consumer to close as a customer. 
Yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest things I've always done when, you know, using performance lead providers and being on the buyer side within companies is getting as much of their copy as possible, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like from a marketing standpoint and sharing that with the team. So they know where to pick up that conversation. Even if they don't stay in that part of the conversation very long, at least they know. And it seems like it's one cohesive brand, one cohesive message all the way through. That's huge. Um, that's like the number one thing. Then the number two thing that I would say when you brought up CRM, which is, which is perfect, is that you know, where most, uh, most buyers, most sales companies fall short is if they're getting inbound leads, especially, is they talk to that inbound lead. They don't necessarily put a lot in their CRM. They're not doing a lot of follow-up. They're not managing that pipeline. And you know, one of the biggest challenges I've seen is that if the company the buyer is not careful, what happens is they end up creating a culture of reps who are physically or virtually putting their feet up on their desk, waiting for new inbound leads and not nurturing or following up with their previously unclosed leads, which right. is where probably most of their value and gold is. So they're going to have a terribly high cost per acquisition. They're going to have a terrible response and feeling about the leads because they're not closing enough which will then trickle its way to finger pointing at the lead provider. Mm -hmm. And that kind of leads into my last question, which I was just thinking about. And again, it's, it's somewhat of a loaded question, but being in the buyer seat, what do you wish lead providers would do better or, or, you know, how can they improve the process, improve their relationship so that lead buyers really do feel empowered with, you know, the quality and, and the, the number of leads that they're, you know, purchasing. Uh, I think it's those two things like I talked about earlier. One is setting the right expectation mm -hmm. and working on it long-term. So, you know, it's not just about, hey, we're going to get you some leads this week and hopefully that works out. It's, okay, we want to do this long-term. We want to get to know you and then start off with something reasonable. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, on a, a separate side point that just came to mind is there's a balance, right? Because lead providers have been burned. And so they want a bunch of money up front. They want some deposits. They want, you know, prepaid, sure. uh, you know, for their leads so that they don't get burned again and they're not out a bunch of money. And buyers don't know who to trust. And if you've been a buyer for any length of time, you've also been burned by lead providers and then you don't want to trust them and you don't want to pay a bunch of money up front. And so it's about a relationship and finding a balance there where it makes sense such that you can start off that relationship. It's like any relationship. I mean, you're not going to instantly get married to someone. Um, you know, there's a dating process. Same thing with, you know, buying and selling of leads. It's, it's a relationship and you've got to ease into it, whatever is reasonable for both sides. And of course, on the lead provider side, there's a lot of setup. There's the, the marketing has to be done. And so there's a lot of capital investment that occurs, but it's about, you know, making sure the buyer feels comfortable. Um, so one part is expectation. One part is starting that relationship off. Um, and then it's about sharing the collateral and communicating and being open to feedback and making changes. The, you know, the best providers I've worked with, they're literally listening to calls right alongside with me and uh, we're listening to it and I'm taking responsibility where my reps have gone wrong. They're taking responsibility where their marketing or reps have have uh, gone wrong sure. and, uh, you know, wanting to work on it together. Yeah. Yeah. And Jason, I said that was going to be the last question, but one more that just popped in mind. Um, you know, when you are starting out as a lead buyer working with a new provider, 
do you have any best practices or, or recommendations around, you know, kind of how to test the waters? What, what sort of testing should you be looking at or, or, you know, things that you should be considering when you're kind of brand new to that process? I think one of the big things is if you're on the buyer side, if that's who we're talking about and you're wanting to test out some campaigns yep. is be careful to not go too far from what you're already doing that's already working. Meaning, um, if you're currently doing, you know, web form fills and those are working really well for your team, uh-huh. going to live, tra- more, you know, live transfers, transfer. warm inbound calls, totally different world, right? Yeah. I, they both have their positives. I think they're both great. I think any type of lead is great. There's reps out there who hate web leads, but they love calls. They hate mail, but they love, you know, Facebook banner, like whatever. Everyone kind of has that bias, but I think they're all great. But you have to be aware of your culture in your company and what your sales reps are going to like and what they're going to do well. Um, there is truly a different mindset when you're talking about, let's say it's, you know, uh, a warm transfer call versus a Facebook call versus a um, direct mail inbound call. Those are three different types of people and three different conversations and three different um, approaches from a sales perspective where you've got to treat them differently. You can't treat them all the same. And so you've got to really know as a buyer who, who you have on your team, what are they good at? Where do they normally play well? Uh, what kind of leads? And then expand from there without going too crazy unless you have a good set subset of your team that you know you can throw anything at and they're just going to crush it then you can use them as your test group for those leads and then that's what i always do i always recommend some small portion of the sales team to be testing leads so you can get honest feedback where they'll try really hard on those leads you know incentivize them well to close any new uh, campaigns that happen Um, so you can get a a real calibration like is this going to work for the good reps, which means could it work for the average reps on the team? And then is this something I want to continue? Yep. Awesome. Well, Jason, some really good uh, insights there. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us today. Um, always helpful. And, and uh, so just uh, thanks for you know, bringing all of that to the table. Uh, of course. I mean, you know, having been on the buyer side so much and then now working with a lot of lead providers as a consultant for their clients, like to help them improve. I mean, anything to help bridge that gap, I think yep. just helps everybody. So I appreciate, uh, you know, being able to talk about it. For sure. Thanks. Well, to our audience today, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, that's going to be a wrap on this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for future podcasts as we talk all things lead gen today and tomorrow. Please stay safe and be well, and we'll be talking to everyone again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning into this episode of LeedsCon's Industry Insider Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for the latest news, insights, and the best takeaways you need to drive your performance marketing to the next level.